You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, it's RUV English. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks again for your company. And thank you also to Lydia Athanasopoulou for joining me once again from Siglafjörður to take a look at another genre of music in Iceland's musical history, rap and hip-hop. I think this is the 18th show that we've done and we have yet to cover rap and hip-hop. We're going to rectify that today, aren't we? Yes, indeed. We have we have not touched upon this genre yet. At the same time, I think perhaps one of the reasons for that is that nowadays uh, elements of rap and hip-hop are prevalent in pop music. Uh, much, much more than they were, say, uh, 20 or 30 years ago. Yes, when a, bit, the... a bit like electronic music. I mean, we, we, yep. we looked at that and, you know, when it was new and sort of exciting and, uh, and groundbreaking. But, you know, all music is, is electronic now, as we've said, to an extent. And you'll find rap and hip-hop popping up, even if it's just Pitbull appearing in, in the middle eight of, of, of any chart record you care to mention. That's very true. And, and like you said, uh, nowadays, most popular music is, is uh, electronic-based. And I dare say a lot of uh, that is then also influenced by R&B, if not the original R&B, uh, sort of Motown inspired, but mm. the 90s R&B, uh, rap and hip hop. So um, it is a huge genre. Uh, it, 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 it's so big that it's almost impossible to even cover cover all of it, not just, uh, you know, in Iceland, but everywhere. Mm. And even Iceland, which is a small country, just doing research for this show, I came up with dozens of names. So this is going to be a, just a bit of an overview of some of the um, original artists who help uh, establish this scene and then some of yeah. the more contemporary ones who are continuing the tradition. Um, and a lot to hear from over the next 30, <laughs> 40, maybe even 50 minutes. This might be quite a lengthy episode because we are going to look at and listen to a number of different artists. Again, the sheer number of them indicating just how strong the scene is and how there is very definitely an Icelandic take on this very international style of music. Very true, very true. So if rap and hip-hop developed in the US and in Europe in about the 1980s, um, one could argue that the first rap song in Iceland was actually recorded in 1969, <laughs> when hey. an album by the opera singer Guðmund Jónsson was released. Um, it's not strictly rap, but the way he sings or, or is more like speaking. So, um, and, and, you know, this is also the case in, in the US, you know, the first rap songs actually can be traced back to the 1940s from black performers yes. and the way they were sort of scatting. Um, so equivalently in Iceland, uh, in 1969, uh, Guzman Jonsson released a record that included three tracks where he was sort of more speaking rather than singing. Um, and the one where you can notice this the most is the track called Lux, Lux, Lux. So I thought we could, uh, yeah. you know, hear a little bit of that so that then that can put, help put things in context. Okay, I'm fascinated to hear this. Guðmund uh, Jónsson, Lux, Lux, Lux. Jú, vist ekki mér gaman að veiða Lux. Ég viðurkenni það strax. En það sem mér háir, þrautin sú, er þetta sem heyrist nú. Lars, 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 Hún barðist um og grenjaði í taumlausri táraskúr svo ég trillaði með heim til múttu og breytti ferðin í veiðitúr. Lags, 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 hvað lags? Hættu þessu röfli. Það eina sem þú hugsar um er bara lags. Þú gefst ekki upp. Þú stemmað morgið sól að lags. Sér þið ekki þefað lags, lags, lags? Ég skil bara ekki eftir í konunni að hann skuli telja það löst þó skreppi út í gart og æfi á hverjum degi köst. En það er bara á sumrin sem ég kem ekki meira en mánuð heim. Þótt margir hafi veitið dellu er ég ekki einn af þeim. Ég 
Ég er að reyna Lax, 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 which yes, does mean salmon, salmon, salmon. And that is what Guthmunder Jonsson was, I guess, speaking about and rapping about. And he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, predicting the shaman and Ebenezer Good when they were saying, has anyone got any salmon many, <laughs> many years later when he was singing or speaking lax, lax, lax. But I mean, that is... That's 11 years before Rapture by Blondie was number one in America, which is sort of thought of as the first successful rap hit. Obviously, rap music and hip hop existed before that. But do we, having heard that, do we think we count Lax, Lax, Lax as part of that uh, oeuvre? Uh, well, um, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that... you want to make a case for it, don't you? I can tell. Uh, <laughs> it's not a case for it, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess that Mr. Johnson back in 1969 had potentially heard of scatting uh, by black musicians from the US mainly. So perhaps that's what he was inspired from. I'm not sure then if uh, I, the first Icelandic rappers uh, in the 90s had a heard of uh, Guzman Jonsson. But while I was researching uh, this show, I came across this little tidbit of information. And I thought it was quite interesting. And I did actually check out this this album. And it's true that this song and a couple of others on that record they have a, a they have something that is that sounds like a forerunner of this okay. style. Um, but in Iceland, it, it really took root in the '90s. So about a decade after it, it was popularized everywhere else. Uh, you know, the lag in time can be explained by the fact that we didn't have the internet back then. Um, it, globally, it became an expression for for urban youth mainly, urban identity. Um, it, it was originally an underground scene with a very anti-conformist elements, a lot like punk, of course, and it was performed by underdogs or outlaws. Uh, and in general, it was a, a way of expressing oneself against a system that felt rigged. Um, so in the beginning, it was uh, here in Iceland, mm. here in Iceland, in the beginning, it was mainly straight, white, young men uh, and, you know, one might wonder what do they have in common with the OG black rappers from the streets of Compton, for example. And it could even raise the question of, you know, does adversity make for better or more interesting art? Mm. Those questions are perhaps for another time and for each uh, listener to think about in their own in their own ways. But nowadays, uh, whether in Iceland or abroad, rap is is more of a smoother subgenre. Um, you know, R&B, like we mentioned, is the mainstream uh, yes. There are, of course, strict rap rappers and hip hop artists. But in Iceland, we seem to have two waves. We have the first wave in the 90s, and we're going to look at some of those bands, where it's definitely stricter rap and hip hop. And then we have the second wave in the 2000s up until today, when it's this sort of a mix of uh, perhaps smoother, more radio friendly, uh, perhaps less gangster uh, inspired music. Um, the second wave heavily depends on visual media. So mu music video clips, YouTube, Twitter, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, uh, streaming platforms, they reach new audiences and promote themselves. And um, back in the day, this, of course, didn't exist. So a lot of the ways that these artists uh, sort of developed their, their skills was, of course, I'm going to guess, you know, shows like uh, TV, radio, TV stations like MTV, and of course, then magazines and records, uh, you know, the analog way of learning about things. <laughs> um, yes. And of course, this, uh, this, it's not, you know, rap and hip hop developed to not just be a style of music, but to be a whole subculture, which included a lot of other things. So from rap battles to street art, to graffiti, to break dancing, fashion, car racing, a general aesthetic and a general ideology that went with it. Um, so as far as record sales go, one could say that in Iceland, 
it's not the largest at the moment uh, as far as what what selling actual physical records but because of this these new technologies it has become extremely widespread and if people are interested they can of course read some things written by dr guni um who we've mentioned before but i also found some writings by artnar egert thorodsen very uh, enlightening about the history of icelandic rap in iceland he's an assistant professor at the faculty of social sciences at uh, the university of iceland um so people can just google his name and come across quite a few articles he's written um and that quite neatly takes us to the first rap band in iceland called karashi from 1995 i think is when they got together and they mm-hmm. they sort of they they kind of crashed into the limp biscuit era because they <laughs> they mixed rap and rock and funk didn't they i think they even shared a a studio engineer or a producer with the red hot chili peppers so they were they were of that time they had that feel as we're going to hear in just a few mo- a few minutes time when we play stick em up by karashi but i must mention at this point that when one of their tracks called crazy bastard came out in the early part of the 2000s i did a mashup of that with beyonce's crazy in love <laughs> and i I've, i've got it somewhere it i don't think it quite worked but <laughs> um it does exist my uh, my attempt to mash up uh, crazy in love with with karashi not the song we're going to hear we're going to hear stick him up Stick them up by Karashi, who are, are as much rap as, as rock, I guess, aren't they? As much rock as rap, I should say. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, like you said, they formed in the mid-90s. Their first album was in 1996 called uh, Switch Stance. 
And uh, the, the, the first major influence I picked up on were the Beastie Boys, who, who at that time were also doing this sort of mashup of uh, hip hop, rap and some rock elements, a bit like, um, you know, Rage Against the Machine, uh, a sort of rap rock concoction. So Karashi, when they first started out, they sung in English. Um, and so it was, one might say, a bit more imitation and less innovation uh, w without wanting to take away from any of their work. But, but you know, at that time, obviously, singing in English was the thing. Yes. Um, however, later on, Icelandic rappers started to incorporate Icelandic into their lyrics, you know, with idioms and poetry and verbal elements from Icelandic. And, you know, th this is quite significant uh, to the development of what this genre sounds like in Iceland, because it makes a huge difference if you're singing in your own language. And um, Karashi sort of moved away from the cliches. Uh, you know, they were rapping about issues and lifestyles that uh, were not so far from removed from Icelandic society. And, you know, they started reflecting on their own experiences uh, and, and, you know, how rap manifests within an Icelandic experience. So this, I think, uh, helps establish the genre as distinctly Icelandic and not just an imitation of the US. Um, however, Kar that said, Karashi did only actually release one song with Icelandic lyrics. Um, and between 1996 and 2005, they have a total of five albums. And one of them is on a US label on Sony Records. Um, despite the success, however, uh, in 2005, they split up, claiming, quote, that selling Icelandic hip hop to Americans is like selling American fish to Icelanders. And I think that, <laughs> I, you know, for the first band to break through on this scene, um, you know, I think that's a very poignant observation and, and a very yes. mature one at that. I mean, there are, um, so, there are some Icelanders that would buy American fish, I'm sure, just out of curiosity as much as anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coles to Newcastle, though. <laughs> exactly, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's always good to experiment and try new things. And Karashi very evidently, you know, were looking further west yes. and, and perhaps to Europe, but definitely to the US for their inspiration. And it definitely helped establish this genre. So that's Karashi uh, dealt with. And I, I think they've they've had prominent place in our conversation, given the, the role that they play in the story. Let's move on to Subterranean. Subterranean. Now, this is definitely an interesting case. Um they were a remarkable group. And with Karashi, they they pioneered the Icelandic rap spring, so as to speak, in the late 90s, just mm. before the turn of the new millennium. And uh, the two groups were very different at that time because Karashi drew more from the rock side of rap, so as to speak, whereas Subterranean were more influenced by the hip-hop of the East Coast of the US, um, you know, including uh, being inspired by bands like, you know, De La Soul or the Fugees and... They worked for about three years uh, mm. and released one album that, you know, had a lot of attention um, and it gained a lot of attention here and abroad. And it, for the 90s, that's pretty impressive. Yes. And um, even though they were certainly underground, uh, they 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 themselves became more popular as time went by and they helped popularize the genre. They paved the way for bands like XXX, Rottweiler, uh, Forgotten Laws, Blank Rosa, Afkvaimi Gudana, who we'll reference later, and many others. Um, how they began is that their demo tape was played on radios on the radio station X, um, which at that time was was playing a lot of uh, rap and hip hop music, and this helped them gain a gathering. And in 1997, they opened for the Fuji's gig here in Iceland mm -hmm. and the De La Soul gig here in Iceland. So right off the bat, they were in in the you know right right with the cream cream of the crop of that genre. Uh, in 98, they released their most well-acclaimed album, Central Magnetism, and it became an instant classic, sold out completely, <laughs> which was amazing. And for that, they received three nominations at the Icelandic Music Awards in 1998. And one of the sort of more positive developments to come from the existence of this band mm. was that this... So this is traditionally a male-dominated scene, from its beginnings and even up until now, one could argue. Now maybe we're reaching a 50-50 percentage, but back then it was mainly male-dominated. And in Subterranean, um, we have the presence of a woman of color. And we're gonna, we're gonna reference her on a, on a later show, Ragna Kjartnar Stotir. And um, she joined the group a little bit after it was formed. She was rapping and and they, they saw her at a, a live, the battle of the rappers, so as to speak. And so she joined the band and 
back in the 90s to see a woman of to see a woman and to see a woman of color in Iceland must have been absolutely revolutionary. And I think this probably turned a switch on in many people's many women's minds. Mm -hmm. And so this, uh, you know, this band, they helped pave the way for really big names such as Reykjavik Utaitur, Cyber, Countess Malice, Alvia Island, who are all huge names in Iceland at the moment. Um, so the, the Subterranean, as a band, were also gender political, as are these these current artists who are inspired by them. And so I think this um, has, you know, this is an added importance to the band Subterranean, not only because of what they were doing, which if you listen to the, the album, Central Magnetism, it is totally on a par with anything coming out of the US at that time. It is really, really a great record. And I think, you know, the involvement of, uh, you know, a woman of color also just showed that Iceland is not so far behind everyone else. <laughs> Central Magnetism by Subterranean. And in the introduction to that, Lydia, you mentioned a band called XXX Rottweiler Hunda, uh, from whom we're going to hear next, I think. Yes, indeed. Um, so originally they were called 110 Rottweiler Hunda. Um, so that's the area code of uh, Aurbayer, uh, a mm. district uh, within Reykjavik. And then they changed their names to XXX Rottweiler Hundar, which means Rottweiler Dogs. Um, and it was a hip hop crew uh, founded in the late 90s. And they were definitely more along the lines of uh, bands like Wu-Tang Clan or Cypress Hill or Public Enemy. They were they were more harsh. Their lyrics were uh, ranging from witty to almost offensive at times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
one could argue maybe black humor. One could say that's outright homophobic. There were there were various things in their lyrics, but you know this is in a context of the '90s, uh, which is very different to the context we all operate in today. Um, so they were one of the they were one of the main bands to sing in Icelandic, to sing rap in Icelandic. Um, they did sometimes sing in English, sometimes in Danish, um, but this is what perhaps they um, their claim to to local fame, let's say. And because they rapped in Icelandic, they could obviously reach a lot more people. It helped cement the Icelandic experience of rap uh, within Reykjavik and, and you know broader Iceland. And I, I've actually found lengthy discussions on old Icelandic mes- message boards and chats, chat forums, which no one really uses anymore. No. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> with, with things about how you know pink noses can't rap, so white people can't rap, and debating whether. You know, an Icelander who is white can rap, and where you know, can white people in general rap, and you know, all, all this discussion, which is something that was a discussion that was happening all around yes. the world at that time, yes. uh, whether we're talking about the Beastie Boys or Eminem. Um, so the two of the main artists from Rottweilerhundar were the brothers Blas Roca and Cesar A. Um, and they were the first to use their native tongue, really impacting the local scene. Their debut album was a success from 2001. And after that album came out, almost 13 other Icelandic rap albums were released within a year. So this drastically demonstrates how, you know, Icelandic rap was on the rise uh, at the end of the 90s, turn of the millennium. Um, They only had two albums from 2001 and 2002. Um, the first one was released just before Christmas, always a good season to release a record, uh, over 10,000 copies sold out, which is quite a feat for, for the Icelandic numbers. Yes. And, um, some of them were of course considered a bit controversial for radio play. Um, some of them were picked up by foreign labels. Uh, the, the first album was picked up by foreign labels and overall sold 500,000 copies worldwide. So that's more than the Icelandic population today, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back in the 90s. A lot more. <laughs> so we're going to listen to Brekusöngur from their second album, which was written in reaction to a political scandal involving a member of government using government funds for personal use. Always great fodder for rap music. And this track actually got shut down during a live performance of it uh, because of this critical lyrical content. So okay. it also goes to show that... Uh, of course, rappers can sing about chains and money and fast cars and everything. But when they rap about political things, it shows that, you know, it actually has an effect. And we see that from this song being shut down during the live show. So 
Songer from XXX Rottweiler Hunda. Who sh- who shut the song down then? Was it the politician who was being uh, criticised? I mean, it's difficult to imagine that a, a political song or one which satirises a political scandal in this way could be taken off stage, closed yeah, down. I I think it was so. The the song was written about uh, Arne Jonsson, and I think he might have actually been the one to request that this song be shut down. If okay. people if, if people are interested, they can Google the incident. <laughs> I just have visions of him running into the venue and finding the, the feed for the PA, pulling the mm-hmm. blog, literally. Pulling the blog, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rap and hip-hop today. As we continue our look and listen to the history of Icelandic music, let's turn to Akvaimi Gudana and a track called Hulumhai. Yeah, so Akvaimi Gudana, offspring of the gods, uh, were a hip-hop outfit uh, founded in 2000. They have one album from 2002 called Ivy Sögur, and uh, they it, it's a it's a good uh, album. Um, but what I chose was something from their latest album, which was from 2020. So 18 years later, uh, after an 18-year hiatus, they release um, an album called Arnarbaki. Uh, and they actually did work with August Bent, who is in XXX Rottweiler Hunda. So I thought we could listen to that Hutlumhai from that record, just to sort of also see what it sounds like 18 years later, what they're still producing today. Chronic. If you don't like it, speed it. Follow us on Insta. Mine guy I write till him star. Echo mouse, name Mister. Me crew will be looking on my hista. Halt the air back and the parista. Fitly back and the star. Rain out, Hare Krishna. Hate Yamsi, Mother Ruvuna. Hate Kualum, Brother Luana. Bum rush, over hooligans. Jump in caft, throw a fruit dance. You better open, focus on the dance. Vina Pierre or Green or Roger Ruritar. Vina Pierre or Tier Thor or Julia. Bum rush. Hoppur hooligans, við þú sem bestur, orðu kúrigans, lokki lúki trans Hey, ríð út um ykkur sef nakkau, þú skast like off of the kakkó Mitchit og dóborð til apó, mitchit og meira eins og kakkó Vest, bökkum mig í pína sato, mitchit og dóborð til apó Mína píur eru yndi góð sista, tíu kau follow us á insta 
from Akavaimi Gudana, and that's what it sounds like 18 years later. It still stands up, doesn't it? Yeah, it apparently does. <laughs> All right. We turn to a track, which is named after the Icelandic capital next. Yeah, so we're now moving into the second wave. Uh, so this <clears> is post-2000s. <throat> the first wave might not have lasted very long, so from like 95 to maybe 99 or 2000. Definitely not the almost 20-year span that you know hip-hop and rap had in, in the US or England. Um, so this is the second wave, which kind of started out with uh, two artists who I'm just going to reference very quickly, yes. Modi and Gisli Malmi. And um, so Modi was kind of the first one could say gangster rap rapper in Iceland. Um, you know, he sang about drug dealing and doing time in prison and gang violence. And uh, his record, uh, Professional Criminal, uh, came out, I believe, in the year... 2000, 2002, maybe. And he and Blazaroka from XXX Rottweiler, they actually got into a fight during a radio show interview in 2010 about who in, inspired and influenced the Icelandic rap scene more. So, an actual physical fight? Uh, well, it started out with someone pulling a knife and ended up with someone being warded off with a mop. So, yeah. I guess it's quite it physical, started- yes. Yeah, of all, all the all the time I've been in radio, that's never happened. <laughs> yeah. I like to run a happier studio than that without knives and mops yeah. being pulled on people. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the knife, you know, represents where Icelandic rap was inspired was inspired by, and then yeah. getting, you know, cleaning away someone with a mop might be yes, significant yes. of what Icelandic <laughs> rap in Iceland is actually <laughs> like. <laughs> um uh, and then Gisli Malmi is the second uh sort of let's say uh, person to help ignite the second wave of of rap yes um he was rather controversial in the local scene sort of views about casual drug use casual sex casual violence kind of all the standards you would expect um but as we will see and as we have seen around the world these second waves or even third waves at this point of this genre are moving away from perhaps uh degeneracy criminality i'm not sure what you want to call it and they're becoming more overtly uh, political. So mm. he was more rapping about his lavish, wild lifestyle, let's say, and his productions were called Glacier Mafia. So I think that is quite indicative. Um, this takes us to MC Goethe, uh, who is definitely one of the most popular artists in Iceland, mm. not within rap or hip hop, just in general. Um, he also raps in Icelandic. It's a bit more mellow, perhaps at times, more like, cruising in your car rap. Um, he was uh, a member of various other rap groups uh, and he began his solo career in about 2010 with uh, Bara Yeh in 2011. And he's also a producer. And so he's been responsible for a lot of popular tracks, uh, whether collaborating with others or on his own. And 
you could say that a lot of the visuals about rap, you know, are gritty, rough, violent. Um, but then with this new generation, we, and we, we mentioned earlier that this new generation, they employ new technologies a lot. Uh, so, so videos, uh, streaming platforms, uh, live live Facebook feeds and everything. Yes. So you, you definitely notice with this second generation how the visuals differ a little bit to what one would expect to be traditional rap. And, and gangster hip hop, for example, visuals that it's kind of dorky. One could say it's even a little preppy. Um, and uh, this perhaps is kind of ref also reflects the Icelandic element within all this, because, you know, we are talking about a relatively wealthy country um, with artists who have quite a few resources at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. So uh, to be considered authentic, you have to sing about what you know. And perhaps what, uh, you know, the Icelandic rappers know best is life in and around Reykjavik, which is admittedly where most of them come from. Yes. Um, I, I don't want to say it's necessarily privileged rap or hip hop, but it's it's definitely different to the original. Uh, and, and they have seemed to have embraced this. So it, uh, kind of same as when we were talking about um, Karashi, you know, they're realizing that it should be more about personal innovation and reflecting their own experience and less about outright copying other artists. So from MC Goethe, we hear a, a relative anthem, I would say, Reykjavik.
MCA Gauti and Reykjavik, and as you suggested, there may be something for rolling in your V8 down Kringlemoyrebrut or uh, or uh, or Hauleitersbrut <laughs> in the capital. Uh, a track Talk called in hand. <laughs> yeah, uh, a track called Reykjavik, and and that name continues in the name of the next act, Shades of Reykjavik. We're going to hear from them. Yes, indeed. Shades of Reykjavik were, I'm, I'm, I don't think they're around anymore. They were an Icelandic hip-hop crew, mainly from the underground of Reykjavik, uh, formed in 2011. It's a little more sinister, perhaps. Um, they have various sort of elements in there from, from painted faces, kind of like a juggalo or, or, or juggalo meets Dia de los Muertos face paint, um, to different uh, sort of ghetto techno music elements from Detroit, they had a shared love for skateboarding and fashion. Um, so this is how this collective bonded. Um, and uh, I enjoyed quite a few of their tracks. So I thought we could listen to Skuga. <laughs> Then in Yautak, in Gaapnetun, Clinton look on with the good lacks of cranum, Raclutna Protum Mopeyum, the Peyum Mokuraki Virinum, A Katna Vocato Clivatum, Sip Katna Kukako, Paliberu Platum, Tansanta Rosum Snake and Kisafitna, of Natina Tilas Yoka at the Ferena, I get them a clown, Kausio Kirka, Rena, a Kaiba Mio Kirka, Sasnidro Kirka, Fifa Simileta at the Dinner. Shades of Reykjavik. Let's turn to the creature-themed track Tarantulur by Ulvar Ulvar, which means wolf wolf. So yes, indeed. Wolves and spiders. <laughs> wolves and spiders. Ulvar Ulvar. Um, they sprang out of a band called Brothir Svartulfs, so Black Wolf Brothers, um, and morphed into Ulvar Ulvar. They're a rap duo. They no longer play either, I'm afraid, and they're definitely one of my favorites. They um, they feature one of the country's fastest and most technical rappers um, and a producer who really does a great job of mixing classical elements uh, from rap and pop, uh, you know, interesting samples, catchy hooks, dancey mm. rhythms, witty lyrics. Um, their 2011 debut album, uh, Fushtadagur in Lanki, or Long Friday, 
um, was a great success. And one track, uh, particularly Almedan Yeg Er Ungur, featuring MCA Goiti, was to become one of the most widely played hits that year in Iceland. And in 2015, they released Tvajer uh, Plaunetur, which featured the hit single Brennum Alt, Burn Everything, which is a really a, a great song. You should check it out. Um, and a lot of critics, you know, they 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 pointed out that this band, they ha really have a literary value to them. Um, so the, the lyrics are perhaps a notch above what everyone else was doing. Um, so I thought we would listen to my personal favorite track by this band, Tarantulur. from Uver Uver. I wonder if Icelandic rap and hip-hop artists, when they're looking for songs to sample, tracks to integrate into their own tracks, are they down at Kolaportith, digging through the crates, looking for rare grooves, do you think? I would hope so. I would hope <laughs> so, because there's so much more value in hearing a sample from your own country and saying, oh my God, that's that old track yes. from the 50s yes. my grandfather used to listen to. Um, of course, bringing elements from abroad is also great, but uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of value in, in rediscovering your own musical roots. Rap and hip hop today. Two more songs, two more tracks to feature. What's next? So next up, we've got uh, Reykjavikur Daitur, which translates to the Daughters of Reykjavik. 
Hmm. And uh, it's possible listeners know of this, uh, I'll call it a project, because it, 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 at times it features between 17 and 19 FEMCs. So there's a female MCs. <laughs> um, and their track, uh, Turn It Around, I think it was called, was one submitted for, um, one of the tracks submitted for last year's um, Eurovision. Uh, yes. I didn't make it through in the end. I'll admit it wasn't my favourite output from this project, but Came they second have a... in Song for Kevin in twenty twenty two. Second, yeah. I think, to Sister. Yeah. Okay. You've so, got so a the, great the, memory. The, the daughters, <laughs> the daughters lost out to the sisters. To the sisters, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so the daughters of Reykjavik, uh, their first album came out in twenty sixteen. They loosely formed in twenty thirteen, and they are the first all female hip hop band. Uh, like I mentioned, 17 to 19 femcs coming and going at times. They rap exclusively in Icelandic and their lyrics mainly revolve around the experience of being a woman in Iceland. And they speak up, uh, they speak out on topics such as sexuality, sexism, body shaming, rape culture, gendered violence, corrupt politicians, maternity and many other topics. Um, from this Reykjavik Daughters project, either directly or indirectly, many other projects have emerged um so from political rappers to horror trappers like fever dream uh mm. the weird metal rap duo cyber um the sort of bubblegum trap alvia islantia and um so this has really been it's it's a band in itself but i think it's perhaps more of a collective that inspires and supports other female uh, artists in and their endeavors and um, many songs to discover from this project and all the co-related uh, artists. And they have played, toured and collaborated extensively, all of them from New York to Berlin. And we hear something uh, from this crew. I thought we would listen to the track, You Call Me What? Which mm -hmm. in Icelandic is Katla Mikva. Sienna pressa pressa alka, stand on minus alka valka. Talk a talk, I don't give a fuck, but I take it. Here come the tears, spiatla. Swatlina dotla me kauta kalla, atli der doo eit for a matla. Anna ve dragar inne me skatla. Mamma kem mér rosi hárið á mér. Ég þrái að kæs kæs kæs. Fæ mér í tána með boombox baby. Þekkir þú til til að tala við mig? Það þreyta þreytinnar sem ég þreyti. Fram fyrir kæti kæs gamma þín. Eða veistu þá ekki hvað ég heiti? Helgin í álu lendir í áflóg. Þú sést þér frá flösku skeiti. Kalla mig hvað? Kalla mig hvað? Kalla mig hvað? Láttu ekki útluti blekka þig ekki halda þú þekki mig Ég með kakkalett smettum ég frikinn fannu þetta merki Merki kertin ég þekki og flörtin blekka mig ekki Ég er ekki snert og það er þér en gefs og skítir þú veltir Kalla mig hvað? Kalla mig hvað? Ég er ekki að tala, ég taka kalla allir að flaka 
Hatla Mikfath uh, from Reykjavik Daita, the daughters of Reykjavik. And we're going to finish today as we look and listen to Icelandic rap and hip-hop with another name that might be familiar outside of Iceland. In fact, yeah, any of the names that we've played and listened to might be familiar. But I think Ghost Digital, which is the words ghost and digital run together. I wasn't being sloppy with my diction there. Ghost <laughs> Digital, the final band that we hear from today. Yes. Uh, so... Uh... I have um, observed my Icelandic friends how they pronounce it, ghost digital. Okay. Uh, with a, with a <laughs> digital. Um, so this is definitely not your generic mainstream rap. I th- I would say this is a thinking man's rap, perhaps, and perhaps more inspired by uh, the British uh, tradition of these of rap and hip hop, and perhaps less from the American tradition. Uh, it's a mix of spoken words and electronic beats and rhythms. And it it could fit into the electronic uh, genre, into the experimental genre. Um, and uh, I think fans of John Cooper Clark uh, or the Sleaford Mods or Dalek or Beastie Boys mm. or even The Fall or The Talking Heads will like this project because it is so cerebral. And they they have actually worked with David Byrne of The Talking Heads and Dalek and Alan Vega uh, of Suicide Mm. Um, and so this, I think, showcases quite quite well their interests. And um, I think this speaks volumes. And the project is headed by Einar Örn, who was, of course, in The Sugar Cubes and Kukl. So this also is a great indicator of how good this is. And uh, he collaborates with Kurver, who is a multi-instrumentalist and producer, uh, and also remixer of Sigurós, among other things. Uh, and he's definitely more of a storyteller. Uh, like he says, on, I think on the website, it says stories of bad weather, rabbits roaming, lost money, no shoes and sleepless days. <laughs> um, their record in COD We Trust <laughs> was released uh, via IPACAC Records in the US. Uh, for those who don't know, IPACAC is Mike Patton's label, Mike Patton of Faith No More. Um, and they have 11 releases to date. So that's mm-hmm. quite a good <laughs> amount. Uh, many of them, of course, on Smaklesa Records. And uh, I think my favorite is smartly titled Division of Culture and Tourism. That's my favorite track, uh, my favorite album. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to listen to a track called Don't Push Me from that album.
The Gital, which is rather closer, perhaps, than I managed first Ghost time. Gostigital, yeah. Ghostigital. No D. I, I thought there was a D, but it's actually There's no D. D. No, that was Ghostigital. Don't Push Me, the final song that we were playing today, as we listened and listened to and looked at rap and hip-hop in Iceland. And that is a story that continues. I'm I'm also interested in, um, in a genre which a lot of people are surprised even exists, although there's no reason why it should not, and that is Greenlandic rap. And hip hop and Greenland, of course, with only fifty-five, I think, thousand inhabitants, um, there is quite a scene that bubbles away there um, within the the boundaries of our near neighbour in I'll in admit, Greenland. Yeah, I, so, I did not know about that. You have just oh no, now now you're going to send me down that rabbit hole. <laughs> that's another rabbit hole for you to dive down, isn't it? Greenlandic hip hop, it's a thing. Uh, but Icelandic rap and hip hop in focus today. Lydia, thanks very much. Lydia Thanasipulu joining me from Siglafjörður. And as we uh, I think mentioned in in this episode, uh, next week we're going to look at and listen to the work of musicians of color in Iceland. This is Ruv English. I'm Darren Adam. Get in touch anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Ruv English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.